Obama certainly felt worthy as he began mapping out his re-election effort. In early 2011, he had every reason to expect the worst was behind him. Months of positive employment reports suggested he'd be able to run on a real, robust recovery. A year later, it had all turned south again. The Eurozone meltdown threatened to spur a global recession, and a stubborn domestic unemployment rate hovered above 8%. No incumbent in a similar position outside FDR had won. George H.W. Bush was done in by a better economy than Obama's. Jimmy Carter was crushed in 1980. Ronald Reagan triumphed only after a sharp upturn that preceded his 1984 re-election campaign. There was no clear roadmap for victory under these circumstances. Obama's methodical 2008 campaign manager, David Pluff, was fond of saying that no other president in history had ever faced such a radical change in atmospherics from his first election to his second. At first, Obama's political team knew only what not to do. The pollster David Binder's focus group studies, part of a $2 million a month polling operation that served up fresh data to Obama nearly every day, showed that voters were willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. They didn't blame him for the mess. They basically bought his assertion that he had inherited the crisis. But they were happy, even eager, to punish Obama if he suggested things were getting better. Don't tell us things are getting better. We won't buy it, the people in the focus groups told Binder's team. It was a catch-22. How could Obama convince an electorate that believed the country was on the wrong track to let him keep driving the train? Poll after poll showed that voters liked Obama a lot better than Romney, but they trusted the former businessman a lot more when it came to steering the economy out of the ditch. Re-elects suck, period said one Clinton veteran working for Obama. The Obamaites could not help but feel nostalgic for 2008. Brilliance in politics is a perishable commodity, and no commodity had proven more perishable than Obama's 2008 change-you-can-believe-in slogan. It was a theme for a cheerful insurgency, not for the defense of a sober, pragmatic incumbency. Obama and his advisors fell back on the timeless method that has essentially become the default option for presidential re-election campaigns, despite his promises to change the process. They prefer to talk euphemistically about drawing the contrast, but everyone else calls it going negative. This was something very different from the formula that elected the country's first African-American president, but it would have to do. Forget Lincoln, FDR, and Truman. This time they would have to emulate, of all people, George W. Bush who succeeded in turning his shaky 2004 re-election campaign into a referendum on another flawed, charisma-challenged Massachusetts poll. Unless things change and Obama can run on accomplishments, he will have to kill Romney, said a prominent Democratic strategist aligned with the White House. The strategy came down to proving Romney was unfit to govern, a phony, and weird. If the outside world found that approach jarring, Obama didn't. In interviews with two dozen current and former Obama advisors, not one said he expressed reservations, at least in the beginning, about the Kill Romney strategy, and he personally signed off on all of his campaign's paid advertising, although he often toned down the very harshest attacks. In 2008, Obama cloaked his killer instinct in the more attractive vestments of his inspiring personal narrative. Phil Singer, one of the tough New York-bred operatives who surrounded Hillary Clinton that year, 
still suspects his boss could have beaten the real Obama, the hard-edged politician. Yet she didn't stand a chance against Obama the book. We were running against a biography, not a politician. We were screwed, says Singer, now a consultant and political advisor to Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York. It was a measure of how much things had changed that Obama cribbed his go-to retort in 2012 from one of the Democrats he trounced four years earlier, Joe Biden. Don't compare me to the almighty. Compare me to the alternative, Obama began telling his audiences in 2011. The line came from Biden, whose 1988 presidential campaign was sunk by a quote-lifting scandal. So the vice president was careful to credit its provenance. The late Boston mayor, Kevin White, said it first. 